Our gospel reading this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and can be found on page 1590 in your Pew Bible. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. (laughs) Be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together tonight. Loving God, meet us where we are on this holy night when we celebrate your incarnation into the world coming among us. O Lord, come among us again. Speak to us. Bring us the hope, the joy, the peace, the love that can only be found in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
was that Sarah crying? Bring Sarah back in here. Because she's bringing the night to life, isn't she? You know, listen, nothing against Away in a Manger, Silent Night. Goodness, how many of you have kids? Come on. There's nothing silent or quiet about any of this. It was loud and messy and boisterous. and So, so Sarah, come on, speak to us. Bring the gospel to life again. How, how many favorite Christmas movie or Christmas book or story? All right, call them out. What do you like? Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life. I, that's my kids making the ruckus. See, I told you, I told you I speak from experience. It's a Wonderful Life. The Grinch. The Grinch. Christmas Story. Okay. Man, I opened a can with this one. You're all never going to be quiet. Judy. The Nativity Story. Okay, so we've got polar experience. How many of you have watched your movies or your books or read your books uh, already several times leading up to Christmas? All right, a lot of you have. Okay. <clears throat> when you think about them, and I'm thinking of stories like, um, like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, or Scrooge, or Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. You, know, you think about those characters, there's a transformation that occurs within them, isn't there? Scrooge moves from this, you know, kind of parsimonious, stodgy old man hoarding everything and becomes a man of generosity. And you see that as these ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future, visit him. And his life kind of opens up before him. And he starts to realize the consequences of his actions. And he becomes a transformed man on Christmas Day. And George Bailey, too. He's a good guy. But he needs some guidance. He's a little lost. And you see his transformation throughout the story. You know, now I grew up with somebody who I think is probably one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and I loved reading The Grinch at Christmas time. Now, around the office here at church, I'm kind of known as The Grinch. Because I don't get super, you know, yay, excited. I like to eat Christmas cookies. But that's, you know... Um, and so, uh, so they call me the Grinch here, of Christmas stories and movies and books, what have you. That's because the Grinch starts as like a truly nasty figure. You think of someone like George Bailey or Ebenezer Scrooge, they're not at their core nasty and mean. They've had things happen in their lives that have kind of sent them down a particular way and, you know, they act poorly and they make bad choices, but they kind of come around. They're good people, but they just kind of need to see their lives on display and make some changes. Not so with the Grinch. He is miserly and mean. He has no heart. He wants to steal Christmas. There's nothing good in the Grinch. And so, how many of you know the story? The Grinch goes down to Whoville and he attempts to what? Steal Christmas. He's going to stop it from coming. And so he goes down with his poor, sad, pathetic-looking dog dressed up as kind of a reindeer with the, with the mange. And he gets a sleigh, and he goes in, and he steals all the presents. And he takes them up to the top of the hill, and he's about to dump them over in jubilant celebration, right? Because he will have stopped Christmas. And then what happens? He starts to, he starts to hear something. And what does he hear? He hears singing. 
They've joined hands all down in Whoville. Mine, they don't have any presents. The trees and the glitter and the wrapping and the, uh, all the accoutrement of Christmas has all been taken. And yet, what happens? Christmas still comes. And what happens to the Grinch? He says he tried to stop Christmas, but Christmas came. And his heart grows three sizes, and he goes down, and he returns all the presents, and then what does he do? He carves the roast beef for Christmas dinner. A complete transformation from someone who, at his core, was nasty, not a good guy. And he completely changes. All down through the ages, from the events in Luke chapter 1... Up to, I dare say, the present day, there have been people trying to stop Christmas from coming. Let's journey back to the events in Luke chapter 1. Maybe we'll hear Sarah a little bit. It really put us there at the manger. Think of the odds that are stacked against Joseph and Mary. There we go. Thank you, Sarah. Silent night, not... Think of the events. Think of the odds that are stacked against Joseph and Mary. Here's Joseph. He's engaged to Mary. And if you were here this morning, we talked a little bit about their relationship. You know, biology was the same 2,000 years ago as it is today. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Holy cow, how does that work? Joseph is kind of caught in this conundrum. An angel visits both Joseph and Mary, explains what's happening. This this is the promised Messiah, that he's coming. And so they say, all right, with God's help, this is all going to work out. And here they are, engaged to be married. There was about a year-long betrothal period in the ancient world where the husband would get ready, or the soon-to-be husband, would get everything ready, and he would prepare a life and a home for his wife. And after about a year, he would go to her, and they would be wed, and then they would begin their married lives together. So they're in this period of, uh, they're this betrothal period. And so they travel because the governor, Quirinius, is the same, don't they? <laughs> To count all the people so that they can levy the proper tax. And so Mary and Joseph, they have to travel a significant distance. Mary's pregnant. Listen, I've never been pregnant. But my guess is that riding miles and miles and miles on a donkey while you're pregnant is probably not all that comfortable. So the means of transportation to get there is inconvenient. And when they arrive there, what happens? There's no room. There's no place to stay. And so they stay. You know, sometimes in, in, in the broader culture, we have these really sanitized pictures of Christmas. Oh, this beautiful stable. And look at the nice clean hay. And look at these beautiful bleached white. Boy, they didn't know they had Tide back in Bethlehem. Look at these bleached white swaddling clothes. And he's cooing. And Joseph is looking at Mary lovingly. And Mary's looking at the baby. And all the animals are just sitting there with halos looking at them. That's not at all how it was. It was stinky and dirty. It smelled. It was probably dank and cold. And they've had to take what's available and make some sort of a makeshift lodging for the night. They settle down. Mary gives birth. And how would you like this? Ladies, I'm asking you. 
you've just given birth and all of a sudden a bunch of stinky shepherds show up. <laughs> How happy would you be? So shepherds show up. And if you know anything about shepherding in the ancient world, all they would have done would be to add to the not so pleasant aroma in the stable. They've left their flocks, which was a dangerous thing to do. But this news apparently was so overwhelming, so joyous, so life-changing, that they had to go and see for themselves. So they show up with Joseph and Mary and newborn Jesus, and they bear witness to the incarnation of God into the world. It says Mary held all this in her heart. Well, if you know the events that follow shortly after the birth of Jesus is recorded in Luke chapter 2, things get even worse. Things get more difficult. And really, if we understand Christmas as the coming of God into the world to, reset, to save and to redeem a fallen humanity, things really ramp up in trying to stop that. Herod gets word that there's a new king. <sighs> and so that's a threat to his power. And so he does what he can to try to take care of a potential problem. And so Mary and Joseph have to flee. They go down into Egypt. And then they come back up. All along the way, from when, really from when Joseph and Mary are visited by an angel and are told what is going to happen, all the way up through Jesus' birth, there are forces at work to stop Christmas. There are people and powers at work in the world that want to stop what God is doing to save us, to set us free. Like any religion in all the world in that God comes down to us. The Christian faith is all about God pursuing us. God coming down to us. And that was as threatening to many in Jesus' day as it perhaps is in our day. And there are forces trying to stop Christmas from coming. But here's the good news. Nothing, just like the Grinch learned, nothing can stop the move of God. Nothing can stop Christmas from coming. Nothing can stop Jesus from coming into our world and coming to us and saving us and redeeming us. Even the Grinches when they encounter the living Lord, might find that their heart grows. Friends, 2,000 years ago, think about this. 2,000 years ago, God became a baby. Now think of it. When there's a baby in the room, what happens? Everybody turns and looks. Isn't there something, Sarah over here, I got to baptize a few weeks ago. There's something so magical and pure about a baby, isn't there? Say you're at a family gathering and someone brings a newborn, what happens? Oh, baby. There's something about a baby. Entirely upon its caregivers to survive. Imagine, let yourself, let yourself be swept up in the wonder and the mystery of it all 
that God became a vulnerable baby. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God in his infinite majesty and providence came into our world to identify with us. To know what it's like to be human. To suffer. To feel joy. To feel sorrow. To develop friendships. God became human. So we might be lifted up. And in that incredible project of God coming in the world to freely save us, to offer us His incredible matchless gift of grace, nothing that we can ever earn, only that we we can receive by faith when we trust in Christ and are made new. Nothing, no power that was or is or will be, no person can stop Christmas from coming. Christ is alive, and Christ is available to everyone who would call on his name. That is the gift of Christmas. Amen. Amen.